Let us turn our Bibles to Matthew 28, 19. Matthew chapter 28, 19. Okay, if you are there, let us read together. One, two, reading. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. May God bless the reading of His Word. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for journey mercies to Thy house. Thank You especially for Your strength and grace that have seen us through the week, kept us from falling into grievous sins. And Lord, we do pray that even as we gather, You would be merciful to cleanse us, wash us of all our sins. For Lord, we know we would have sinned against You in many ways, in our thoughts, our deeds, our actions. So Lord, even as we go through this night, may you remind us wherein we have sinned that we may confess and to repent. So Lord, cleanse us thoroughly in our Saviour's blood, that this night of gathering would be a blessing. You would be pleased to be in our midst to bless us with understanding of the sacraments, increase our faith, increase our love for our Saviour. Be with every group that is studying your word, be with everyone that is handling your word. Lord, may each one of us be used of you to feed your children and to strengthen thy church. Be with us now, we pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's continue. We haven't finished point number one. Point number one. Let us read um, chapter 27, point number one again. One, two, reading. Sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace, immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and all his benefits, and to conform us in our interest in him, as also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and to the rest of the world, and solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ, according to his word. So here, in the previous session, we covered quite thoroughly about signs and seals. I hope some of us at least remember. Maybe I just ask for, for, for a start. Why are there sacraments? Anyone remember? Howard, any, you remember? Why are there sacraments? I'll put it deep, put, maybe I'll ask more accurately. Why are there signs and seals? Help us to remember. Okay, that's the purpose of signs and seals. How come, okay, the other way, how come there are signs and seals? So your answer is correct. Why are there signs and seals? Is to help us remember. But my question is more like, how come there are signs and seals? Sujin, how come there are signs and seals? How come we have signs and seals? You know why I chose you? Very good. To represent the covenant. In every covenant, there are, there are always signs and seals. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement entered into by two or more parties, right? So a covenant, an agreement, a contract. So every covenant has signs and seals. So now you know why I asked Sujin, the newly married, they will always remember they entered into a covenant in marriage, correct? 
Now we can sit next to each other, you know. <laughs> Don't need the seat in between. There are signs and seals, so just like the covenant of marriage, there is the ring that is the sign and seal, right? There's always that. How would you like to get married and say, all right, we get married, but no ring exchange? I think the girl would be very upset. Hmm? So, covenants have signs and seals. You enter into a covenant with your company, are there signs and seals? The contract also has. There is a proper contract. There's proper signing, right? And then there's a proper company stamp. So, there are signs and seals also. So, contracts, covenants have signs and seals. So, because of the covenant, covenant of what? Covenant of grace. We spend a lot of time explaining the covenant of grace. Covenant of grace is instituted or rather is planned by God. And when God planned the covenant of grace to save us, He instituted signs and seals. Okay, so we must not take signs and seals lightly. We spent a lot of time explaining the covenant of grace. Do you know why? The reason why I spent a lot of time explaining the covenant of grace is unless you understand the greatness, the wonderfulness, the beauty, the glory, the blessedness, the graciousness of covenant of grace, you will take the signs and seals lightly. Understand that. Until you see, maybe I put it with an analogy. Unless you treasure and you see marriage. I use marriage as a covenant. Unless you see marriage as a very high, hold it with highest regard, see it as something that is very important, something that is very precious, Will you take your wedding ring seriously? No, correct? You won't take it seriously. Just a wedding, that's all. What's a big deal? So we must not um, lightly esteem the covenant of grace until you see so clearly, the more you see covenant of grace so clearly, always be reminded of it. Then you will treasure the signs and seals until you see marriage as something very sacred, very precious, you won't treasure the signs and seal in marriage. You won't treasure your ring, you won't treasure, and you won't take your vows seriously, correct? So these are signs and seals. On the sacrament side, if you don't take the covenant of grace with the highest regard and treasure it, again, then at Holy Communion, at baptism, you will not treasure it. Am I right? Why many do not treasure it? Because in their minds, the understanding of the covenant is so small, so weak, so unclear, so they take it lightly. That is why I spent a lot of time on the covenant of grace. Very important. So you want to treasure the signs and seals more and more, as we should. Keep thinking and understanding the covenant of grace deeper and deeper. Don't just say, yeah, I know to draw the diagram, I know what it means and all that. Ponder upon it. Then the signs and seals will be very precious to you. It will do something to you. Okay, so we spend much time on that. Um, just to make you understand how precious the covenant of grace is. Then you treasure the signs and seals. What is the meaning of a sign? Vincent, what's a sign? <laughs> Uh, 
still doesn't understand, answer the question. What is a sign? Okay, so an outward sign of in, inward grace. What's the meaning of sign? <laughs> Something you can see, very good. Signs, what do signs, when you draw fail, what do sign boards do for you? It directs. It directs our thoughts to something, alright? So when we say signs and seals, it directs our thoughts to something. So that is what I want us to remember. What does it direct our thoughts to? Who remembers? Mabel. What does, it, what does the sign direct our thoughts to? Um, yes, definitely God. But what specifically about God? What is this sign of the sacraments? Um, okay, so the signs remind us of the covenant of God with us. Yes, that's one of the things, for sure. So the sign is always pointing us to what Christ did for us. Okay? The sign reminds us of what Christ did for us because of the covenant of grace. So every time you think of signs, you say, this sacrament, whether it's baptism or Holy Communion, the sacraments, is always a direction pointing me to remind me of what Christ did for me in the covenant of grace. That is the sign. What about seal? What about seal? What is a seal? Um, Alex, what is a seal? Bounds you. Something that binds us. It's not, um, it's not so much of that kind of seal. I know what you mean. Something is, is, is apart, so you put a seal on it, so it's connected. Uh, not so much that meaning for seal. Who remembers? Brother Douglas, you remember? Very good. That's why you must always bring your notes, <laughs> what you copied the last time, right? It is a proof of genuineness, of authenticity. The university certificate you have, have a seal, correct? Ah, it's that kind of seal, that this is genuine from the university. Alright, so what is genuine? What is genuine? Anyone remember? Um, Cheryl, do you remember? What is genuine? What is this genuineness point about? You are a genuine? Say again. Say again. Uh, the seal of Israel. What? Is real. Yes, is real. What is real? So that's a question. So the sign is to point us to the work and the, of Christ in the covenant of grace. What about the seal? What is real? We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Good. And if you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, it is a proof of authenticity. A proof of genuineness. What is a proof of authenticity, authenticity and genuineness? What is real? When the Holy Spirit seals you, what is real? What is genuine? Your salvation. Very good. Is the proof of genuine salvation. Alright, is the proof of genuine salvation. So whenever we think of sacraments, 
There are signs and seals, means they remind us of the work of Christ, and because of the work of Christ, the sacraments, and if, if the work of Christ is genuine in our lives, then we are a genuine believer. Alright? I hope you understand that. Um, why would we not serve Holy Communion to someone who is not baptized? Why? Adrian, why? Adrian, why? Why would we not serve Holy Communion to would not serve Holy Communion to someone who is not baptized? Why? Shining, why? <laughs> Your eyes are going outwards. So I, I repeat, the Holy Communion is meant for safe people. And a, not person who is, so a person who is baptized is saved, so we, off, so we administer the Holy Communion to them. So if a person is not baptized, he's not saved. Your last statement, then your eyes keep going upwards. Why your eyes keep going upwards? You say, That's, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Does it mean a person who is not baptized is not saved? Not necessary. not necessary. Does it mean a person who is baptized is saved? Not necessarily also. But to a church, as long as we've done our part in making sure you understand BBK, you understand salvation, uh, we interview you, we look at your life, outwardly, if we see all this proof, then you get baptized, that is the best we can do to know to say that you are genuinely saved. You are saved, and therefore we offer you to partake of the Holy Communion, right? So the reason why we only give Holy Communion to those who are baptized is if the church have done everything right, then the church can only assume that you are a genuine believer. Then we offer it. Okay, so it's a stem of genuineness, the sacrament, genuine believer. But it doesn't mean that you're saved. Just because you go through BBK, you go through baptism, you say you're safe, you're safe. It doesn't mean that. But the church cannot withhold it from you. Okay? Unless you show very clear reasons that you're not saved. Um, so the genuine believer have the sign and se outward sign and seal. Okay? Outward sign and seal. So that is what signs and seals are. So, so that was a quick revision. Now because of all that, the main point about last week's lesson is one thing. What do you think it is? Do anyone remember? I finished off and say the most, the main thing about studying the sacraments is, is what? Benedict, do you remember? Were you here? The last time you were here. What is the main point that we must not miss when we study the sacraments? Don't remember. Um, Hannah, do you remember? Mm -hmm. Not to take these things lightly. What else? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. 
that so that when we partake of the Holy Communion, which is a sacrament, it will cause us to um, reflect and know how much it costed Christ to save us and to respond to Him. That's the point of studying sacraments. Why do we spend time doing premarital counseling? Is to teach you how high an institution marriage is, right? So that when you get married, you will be very careful, correct? So why we study the sacraments is so that we understand how precious work of salvation is, and therefore we approach it with greatest reverence and love to our Savior. Okay, so remember that. I, I repeat, I repeat. Otherwise, we finish studying sacraments, it's like study for what? The study of sacraments is to help us realize the high, and whole, the high and glorious and precious salvation work of Christ, sign. And therefore, to approach all the sacraments with greatest reverence and love towards our Savior. Okay? That is why we study sacraments. You know, over time I realized, no matter how many times I repeat, I'm not sure if people <laughs> remember. Um, Ada, why do we study sacraments? So we Reverence and love, right? So sacraments must make us think of the covenant of grace and then respond with much love and devotion to our Savior. It's not just head knowledge. So that is why we study the sacraments. Now, let's, let's see what are the purposes of sacraments. Okay, so now you look at this statement that they've made that is very accurate also, as always. What are the purposes? In fact, I help you. I say three purposes. Three purposes. What's the first one? Um, hey, what's the first one? What are the purposes? What's the first one? Say again. Uh, okay, to confirm our interest in Him is more than that. Is to represent Christ and His benefits, and to confirm our interest in Him. That's the first purpose. To represent Christ and His benefits, and to confirm our interest in Him. That's the first thing. What's the second one? Very simple, right? Um, ben, what's the second one? Second purpose is to put a visible difference between those that belong to the church and to the rest of the world. Okay, the third one, very straightforward, is there. Now when you read, alright, it is to solemnly engage them to the service of God in Christ according to His Word. When you read the Westminster Confession, I think I've explained to you before, sometimes their statements are very long. Look for the clues, the semicolons. Alright, the semicolons will tell you the, the divisions, okay? So, three purposes. We see that. Three purposes. Uh, how do we know that? How do we know that? The first one is to represent Christ and His benefits and to confirm our interest in Him. Um, number three. Now, let's turn to Galatians 3.17, please. Galatians 3.17. Why do they say this? Is to confirm, to represent Christ and His benefits and to confirm our interest in Him. Galatians 3.17 Shall we read this Galatians 3.17 together? One, two, reading. And this I say, that the covenant 
that was confirmed before God in Christ. The law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now here, there are some key words that I need you to notice. And I say that the covenant, remember, there is a covenant. It is always about a covenant. What is the Reformed faith about? Um, grace. What is the Reformed faith about? The key theme of the Reformed faith. Reformed faith. The, the What's the key idea that makes the Reformed faith different from the, dispen uh, the, the Baptist faith? Alex. The key difference, Reformed faith and Baptist beliefs. Okay, who else to ask? Um, Eugene. Deacon Eugene, what's the difference, the key difference, the Reformed faith? Every time we say the Reformed faith, we are talking about what faith? Covenantal faith. All right? The key difference between the Reformed faith is the covenantal faith. The, the Baptist is dispensational, right? So, for the Reformed faith, it's always the covenant. Remember the Old Testament? Here is covenant of... Here is covenant of works. Immediately after the fall is covenant of grace, correct? Old Testament, also covenant of grace. New Testament, also covenant of grace. So the Reformed faith believe that from the moment man fell, God started the covenant with man. That is a covenant of grace because the covenant of works won't work anymore. God started his covenant and Old Testament to New Testament is the, is it different covenant? Is the very same covenant of grace. Okay? So that's the covenantal faith. The, dis the Baptist is what? Dispensational. They chop it up. Okay? To different phases. One dispensation over nothing to do with us anymore. A new dispensation starts. So they have, they chop it up. It's not linked. The covenant, the re reformed faith is covenantal. Meaning to say it's stretch across. It's linked. It's one and the same covenant. The reform, um, the Baptist is always different. This one, throw away. God said this don't work. He work another way with men. 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 Give up. Work another way with men. It's all discreet. That's why it's called dispense. The dispense of it. Right? So, now, here God in the New Testament and Old Testament makes it very clear. And God says in Galatians 3.17, and this I say, the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ cannot be disannulled. Means God never changes the way He works with men. It's not dispensational. It's covenantal. It's a cross. It can, it's not disannulled. At no one point that God says, alright, sorry, this covenant don't work anymore. The covenant of grace don't work anymore. Now I start, start another covenant. It doesn't. Every covenant, whether it's Davidic covenant, Noahic covenant, uh, Abrahamic covenant, all this are all covenant of grace. Understand? Okay? So, now why do we have to bring this up? Because first God says that 
I'm in a covenant with you, it will never be disannulled, means there will always, there will always be, oops, because of this one covenant, there will always be sacraments. And the sacraments, there will always be sacraments because it's always the covenant that does not get annulled, does not change. Let's read Galatians 3.27, reading Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay, so now baptism is one of the sacrament. And say baptism is one of the sacrament that tells us we put on Christ in this covenant. The covenant of grace is institute, is, is the work of Christ. And when we get baptized, we put on Christ. So all these are signs and seals linked to the covenant of grace. Alright, the covenant of grace. So they rightly point out that, you look at your, your point number one, what are sacraments? They represent Christ and His benefits. Just now we already said, it's the covenant of grace. They represent Christ's work and His benefits that when we are saved, we have eternal life. We have the um, care and protection of Christ. So all these benefits, by going for baptism, you are saying that I am in Christ. I'm in Christ. And everything that Christ promised is, belongs to me. They belong to me. So Christ's promises are real to me. Okay, so that's the meaning of, of the first one. So always remember, you think of sacrament, you think of the Holy Communion, you think of baptism, both of these help us to remember Christ. They represent Christ. Always represent Christ. Always think of sacraments in relation to Christ. It is reminding me, representing to me, Christ is Himself. Christ Himself. Right? The broken body and the shed blood. The sacrament. Christ Himself. He represents to me Christ and His benefits. All His promises of salvation, of his all-sufficient grace, all these are the promises. That's why Holy Communion strengthens our faith. After so I, ask, I will ask you, how does Holy Communion strengthen your faith? Because Holy Communion is a sacrament, correct? Every time you take Holy Communion, you're reminded of Christ and His benefits to you, correct? You're reminded of your salvation. I'm reminded of Christ. He died for me. I'm reminded of Christ. He promised to come for me. He promised that in Him I have eternal life. He promised that through Him I have resurrection, correct? So whenever you take, you say, wow, I am saved. It represents that and all the benefits in there, okay? So, um, after I ask further, all right? So remember that, I'll come back to that. So the next one, to conf uh, let me see any verses, any other verses I want to refer to. Okay, let's now say um, next one. To also put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and unto the rest of the world. Now, anyway, I want us, can we please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. This is under the, the interest in Christ, so we're still in, at interest before we move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. 
Now, this is your interest in Christ, huh? Now, let us read together, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Okay, so every time I say those words, um, take it, this is my body. This do in remembrance of me. Take it, this is my body. You must straight away remind, remind ourselves, this is a sacrament, this is about Christ. It represents Christ to me. This is my body. Then, the cup is, this is, the, this is my blood. Right? This is my blood. First one, I say, this is my body. This is my, this cup is, the new, is, the, is my blood in the New Testament. Right? It represents Christ. It represents Christ. Then after that, what do we say? This is my body. What did Christ say? Which is, which is broken for you. Correct? My interest in Christ. Broken for you. Then this, is, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament, the New Covenant. Again, God reminds us, you are in a covenant with me. This covenant did not break. It's the same covenant of grace. I will administer it differently. Hmm? So all this reminds us of Christ and reminds us of our, our interest in Him. That's why the Bible tells us, the cup which we bless... Is it not the communion? Communion means you are having communion with Christ. You are part of Him. The cup, the body, uh, sorry, the blood, sorry, the cup is the communion with the blood of Christ. The bread, the communion with the body of Christ. So every time you take, it is called Holy Communion. I hope you understand more and more because you take Holy Communion every month. When we say, this cup is the, this, this body broken, this cup is my blood, it represents Christ. We said already, what does sign and seal mean? Represent Christ. Sacraments represent Christ. The other part of sacraments is our benefits in Him. Our benefits in Him is we commune with His blood, with His, we are part of His blood, part of His body means we are saved, we are part of Christ, we put on Christ. Okay, so this is what it's all very accurate, what I'm trying to tell you. Don't take of them and take of them um, blindly, carelessly, without thinking. These are God's design. I don't know how to make you be interested. I'm very interested in this thing because God spent time to design. Some of us are very interested in, in mechanical things, right? We like to take, I don't know about you, when I was young, I, whatever toy I get, I like to take them apart. Sadly, very often I can't put that back together. I like to take them apart because I'm very interested, very curious how it all comes together, why it works. God take time to say, this cup, this bl the blood communion with me, this cup communion with me, you put on Christ, this is a covenant. God is explaining in details, you know, things which the Bible says the angels want to look into all this time. They don't understand, they say, what is this? Christ come and die for them? And then all those things, they are, they are not made known to angels. But God takes time to explain to His children. So you keep wanting to look in. What does all this mean? What is a sacrament? What does all this mean? It represents Christ's body, Christ, represents Christ to us and all our interests, His promises in there. Now the next one, put, put visible difference, right? Put visible difference. Can we please read? Um, some verses. Exodus 12.48. Exodus 12.48. Why do we have the sacraments? The other reason is 
to put visible difference. Alright, shall we read? Okay, Exodus 12.48, shall we read together? And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let them come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. So he, notice a few words. One is, there is Passover, right? Passover. There is the other one, circumcision, correct? There's Passover, there is circumcision. Alright, there is Passover, there is circumcision. Now, these two things are mentioned here. And in mentioning these two, which are, which are sacraments of the Old Testament, right? In the New Testament will be Holy Communion, Holy Communion and uh, water baptism, right? Water baptism. Now, when God mentioned the two Old Testament sacraments, what did he talk about? When he mentioned sacraments in the Old Testament, look at Exodus chapter 12, verse, verse 48. He mentioned about they can come near, number one. Number two, they can come near. Number two, they can, they are born, they are as, as if it is born of the land. As if it is born, born as part of them. And then he says, but if not circumcised, then cannot come near. Alright, if not circumcised, cannot come near. Cannot eat. Now, what is God saying? God is now drawing a separation between these people and these people. God relates the sacraments with separating his people from the other people. I want to repeat, huh? whenever you take sacraments, when you look at scriptures, when God brings up sacraments, He talks about separating. Is it not the same at marriage? What happens on the day of marriage? Adrian was the previous one, right? Adrian, on the day of marriage, you are declaring to... So marriage is a covenant, correct? You declare to Mary your relationship with her and what are you declaring about your relationship with all other women? Say again. That you are only for her. Right? What about the other women? Other women. Not my business anymore. Right? You are declaring a separation. Unto you only, right? You always, we always say, unto you only, to, I make my pledge. Okay? So, so when God brings up sacrament in the Old Testament, He mentions separation. So every time you take Holy Communion, in fact, baptism is telling people, I am separated from the world. Correct? Holy Communion is, every time you take Holy Communion, you are being reminded about, I am different from the rest of the world. I am separate from the rest of the world. I belong to Christ, Christ belongs to me, my heart, my soul belongs to Him alone. That is what you're saying. So you must understand all this. When God brings up sacraments, He talks about separation. 
You cannot take your sacraments and say, well, I take Holy Communion, but I fully still intend to be worldly, carnal, love the world, marry unbelievers, hang out with unbelievers, be like them, love what they love. You cannot because sacraments by itself, God say, you don't partake if you're not circumcised. Circumcision to them is their outward profession. I belong to this God. Well, whether they do or not is different, right? So, you're declaring, I belong to Christ. Him alone, the rest of the world, nothing to do with me. I have nothing to do with it anymore. Okay, so don't take Holy Communion and still intend to be carnal, worldly, love the world, don't repent of sin. God says it's separate. It's, there is a separation. It's linked with sacraments, biblical separation. Then the next part. Can we turn to... Um, Genesis 34.14 Genesis 34.14 Genesis 34.14 Very important Genesis 34.14 Let's read together And they said unto them We cannot do this thing To give our sister to one that is uncircumcised, for that were a reproach unto us. Look at this verse carefully. Is there a sacrament mentioned here? The Old Testament sacrament, circumcision. And they say we cannot give our, our sister to someone who is uncircumcised, who have not kept the sacrament, who declare that they are they do not belong to Jehovah, they don't want Jehovah to be their God. Therefore, we must separate from such one and we will not let our sister marry such a person so they understood when god talked about what this sacrament is in genesis they understood from then on they say sacrament means if i partake of the if i'm a circumcised person and i partake of the holy of the passover it means that i will never mix ourselves up with the unbelievers that is what it is so sacraments means all those things you know it's not just um, not just alone about remember what Christ did for me his love for me and to love him that is the first part only first purpose second purpose do not forget from today onwards when you have been baptized or you're going for baptism when you partake Holy Communion you'll say I am separated unto God that is what it means each time you partake of it Should a brother intervene if, a, if his sister at home wants to marry an unbeliever? It's in the Bible. The brother must love the sister enough, or the sister must love the brother enough to intervene. And the brother said, we will not let our sister marry an uncircumcised person because they have declared that they do not want God to be their God. How can we continue to partake of the Passover if we do that? Okay, so today the same. How can I continue to take Holy Communion month after month if I don't want to live a consecrated life? If I don't want to be separated from the world? If I don't want to take the stand of biblical separation? I cannot partake of Holy Communion because the sacrament itself means separation. Yeah, I really hope you understand this point. Huh? Because most of us, is we remember the first purpose only. The first purpose is what? that represent Christ to us, broken body, shed blood, right? And, and our benefits in Him. We love that part. 
and my salvation is sure. Wow, fantastic. But we often ignore, whenever God brings up sacraments in the Old Testament, He talks about biblical separation. It's the reminder to us. Whether it's biblical separation of, of, um, of the world, of doctrinal things, of spirit, um, 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 spiritual fellowship. It is what that is. So to them, it's that serious. Um, that even in the family, they will intervene. How much more parents, right? We did that in detail. Hmm? That's why Howard said, I, won't go, I will go to the wedding, but to disrupt the wedding. <laughs> right? So it is serious. That is, why, that is a reminder of us um, when we partake of the sacraments. That's why a person who, who get baptized and then want to marry an unbeliever do not understand the sacraments. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is a not... You have, when you go for baptism, you have already declared, I belong to Christ. It is like those who just got married. You go and get married, you went through the ceremony, but you intend to commit adultery. It's the same. Actually, um, Adrian, why, why on that day in your mind is from now onwards all the other women none of my business anymore why do you think like that why now you begin to wonder maybe I don't need to think like that <laughs> why did you think like that most men right oh, it's like funeral from after today other women I cannot be interested in anymore some people see it at their funeral <laughs> Why do they think like that? Why do you think like that? So why, Sujin, why, why on that day, you think from now, from this moment onwards, from this time onwards, after I take the vow, all the other women, nothing to do with my life. Same for Sujin. Why, why did you think like that? Okay, so whenever you think of marriage, you think of a covenant. Now listen carefully to this, this analogy I'm trying to help you to understand. Whenever you think of marriage, you think of it as a covenant. A covenant means you're entering into agreement, right? And the agreement that is that you will be exclusive to one another, correct? So that's why you think like that now. So that day, you say, no, I, from this day onwards, every other woman, every other man, out of my life. Over, Okay. Same for sacraments, same for baptism, until you understand. Baptism is declaring God from this day onward, I declare publicly to all men, I belong to you and you only, and I denounce the world, and separate from all forms of false teachings and doctrines and practices, I declare that, I declare that to you publicly. Okay? So that is, that, that is what the sacrament means. And therefore, how can we think that after that, I intend to compromise, I intend to marry unbelievers, I intend to love the world. It's like a person going to marriage and say, I intend to marry you, but after that, I intend to have many other sideline relationships. Would you do that? It won't occur to you to do that, right? So why should a Christian occur to him, not, uh, occur to him that, just, that just baptism, after that I can live as I wish? It's, it's absolutely not acceptable because when God brings out the covenant, when God brings out the sacraments, He talks about separation. Okay? Remember that. So 
if after baptism and you've been taking Holy Communion and your life is still one that is loving the world, you can, you can, you can put yourself as an analogy to a man or a woman who got married and continue to be in an adulterous relationship. Understand that? Do you understand why God always likened His relationship and His covenant with Israel as what? Who remembers? Young. As a marriage. As a marriage. God says, I'm in a covenant with Israel. And He always talks about their relationship like a marriage. Hmm? So when He says, when you enter into this covenant with me, when you get circumcised, in our case, baptized, when you partake of the Passover, in our case, the Holy Communion, you are declaring that you're willing to be separate unto me only, as I have made myself exclusive to you only. Okay? So same. It's the same analogy. He uses marriage. Okay, so I hope that we understand and remember the second point. It is about separation when God brings up the sacrament details. Now, if you want, you can also turn to... Um, Romans, let me see, Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Okay, no need, it's all right. Okay, that's it, all right? So now we move to the third purpose. What is the third purpose? The third purpose, shall we read together? The third purpose is to solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ according to His Word. Now, let us turn to Romans 6, 3. Okay. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Romans, verse, uh, Romans 3, verse 3 and 4. Shall we read together? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto life, unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So what is here? Again, God brings up sacraments, right? Baptism. Here we have the sacrament of baptism. And in the sacrament of baptism, what does God talk about? God talks about buried in Christ, by baptism, and then he says, dead with Christ, then like as Christ, raised from dead, walk in newness of life. How do the Westminster divines come up with this idea that sacraments are supposed to solemnly engage us to a life of service to Christ and His Word? How do they come up with this idea? Because when God brings up the sacrament of baptism in the New Testament, God talks about us walking in newness of life. So we cannot go through baptism, partake of the Holy Communion, without every time resolving in our heart, consecrating in our heart, that we will walk in newness of life. Every time, God, you show me a new area that I have not dealt with, I will walk in newness of life. Everything that you show me thus far, I will obey and I will do. And, and when you show me new areas, I will obey and I will do. Res and respond immediately, fully, absolutely, totally, constantly. That is what it means. Right? So, 
Sacraments are to remind us that we are supposed to walk in newness of life. Newness of life is not one time. Huh? It's not, okay, newness of life. At the point I got saved, I decided not to sin these sins and then that's it. Newness of life is constantly a life of a sanctification walk. Okay, so it's constantly newness. Constantly newness of life. So sacraments must remind us of that. And there's the other... Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Okay, here is a reminder. One, two, reading. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Verse 21. Ye cannot drink of that cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and table of the devils. All right, verse 21. Eh? So remember the newness of life, the separation, and from now onward, I serve Christ alone. I do not serve the devil, his world anymore. So God says, now if you partake of this sacrament, which is the Holy Communion, you are reminded you are, part you are partaking the body of Christ, and therefore you cannot, you cannot anymore partake of the cup of devils, be partakers of the table of devils. No more. No more. So when you partake of the Holy Communion, what is it saying? According to His Word, now my life belongs to Christ and is for His use. No more for the devil's use. I'm not going to put myself on the devil's table and let him use me anymore. My body is on the table of sacrifice to my Lord. That's it. I'm not partaking of anything that the devil offers to me. Of course, back then, they, um, they were very used to take, partake of um, the... Um, before they were saved, partake of uh, the, the food offered to idols in the temples, meaning to say, I belong to this God, I want them to strengthen me, and I will serve these gods. That's why they go to the temples and eat of the food offered to the idols, right? So he said, now after salvation, you say, no more, I do not serve these gods anymore. When I partake of this sacrament, the table of the Lord, then the table of the devil is over for me. I'm not touching anything of the world anymore. Okay? So these are the changes, or rather these are the purposes of the Holy Communion. It must remind us that I no longer serve the devil. And no longer. He wants me to dress like that. No longer will I dress like that because he wants me to dress like that. No longer will I do this kind of work anymore. No longer will I love this kind of things anymore. No more. What he offers to me, I, touch, I won't touch it anymore. Okay? So that is the meaning, that, those are the purposes. Overview, huh? Make sure I covered all of them. So, every time you think of your... Hmm. Why is my handwriting so bad? Every time you think of your baptism, every time you partake of the Holy Communion. Three purposes God instituted in the Bible. Whenever God mentions the Old Testament sacraments, 
Whenever he mentions the New Testament sacraments, there are three purposes that the Westminster divines pulled out for us. What are the three? Number one, Vincent. <laughs> okay, reflect Christ and his benefits, promises. Alright? This cup is the body is my body. This cup is this body is this bread is my body broken for you, right? This cup is my blood in the New Testament. Alright, so he remind, remind us of Christ, remind us of his promises, forgiveness of sin, assurance of salvation. Right? And then two, when we see, whenever we see Old Testament sacraments and New Testament sacraments, it talk about sinning, separation. Very good, separation, separation from the world, separation from from Satan, all of Satan's things, right? Then you have to ask yourself: Have I always have I viewed sacraments as that? When God bring up sacrament, He mentioned that. Who else is married? All right, married people long. All right, the one before was you, ah, before you, before Adrian was you. Okay. Do you think of marriage as separation? Not from her, lah. <laughs> we always think of separation as from all others onto my wife. Correct? In your covenant, correct? So the same separation. This thing is something that we always neglect. We, that is why biblical separation is in our constitution. Understand that. When we take sacraments, that is what it means. When we go for baptism, it's separation from the world. Now, um, what is the third one? Um, Valerie. Say again. Newness of life. Newness of life. Means it's a constant change. Constant constantly renewing right and in this newness of life it's nothing to do with the devil's what the devil want in my life anymore okay nothing with what the devil wants in my life anymore what christ wants in my life yes what the devil wants in my life no that is what sacraments remind us of three things three purposes we just had holy communion right the next holy communion oh we're going to have on an infant baptism uh, most of you went through baptism uh, so we will have Holy Communion every month when, whenever we do that thing of this usually we dwell here then we must dwell more on separation onto Christ newness of life alright this is this is reflecting our love to our Saviour hmm? love and devotion right so Ben when you separate from the rest of the women onto to love and to cherish Cheryl alone, is this about when you do that separation, you are very unloving. You don't love others anymore. <laughs> right? No. Now it's love and devotion to in your covenant with your wife. Correct? Okay? Can you understand a bit more? Is biblical separation part of the sacraments? Yes. When God brings up, He talks about separation. When the people understood that, He said, my, my sister will not marry 
the uncircumcised, who have not such sacraments in their life. Hmm? When we practice biblical separation, many accuse us of being what? Unloving, correct? Unloving. Should we accuse Ben, Sujin, and Adrian, who all claim that now they only love their wife, as unloving? No. Why? Of course, that's the right thing to do. Why do we say it's unloving when we practice biblical separation? When you hear someone say, Hey, sis, I don't want you to marry the unbeliever. Or opposite. Or, Brother, I don't want you to marry the unbeliever. And then, people say, How can you be so unloving? How can you be so unloving? It's a very strange argument, correct? You are not unloving. We are separating onto Christ, loving Him alone. Not unloving. Okay? I hope you understand the, me- the meaning of biblical separation. It's the greatest love towards your Savior. And if you are in the sacraments, you cannot not say, I separate. Hmm? Just like the person who entered into covenant of marriage cannot not say, cannot not say, I separate myself from all other men, all other women, and keep myself only onto her or him. Correct? You have to. And it's natural. Okay, so that is point number one. I hope we have a better understanding of the purposes of sacrament. The next one. Let's move. Point number two. Let's go together. There is in... Okay, there. There is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the signs and the things signified. Whence it come to pass that the names and the effects of the one are attributed to the other. Right, what is this saying? It's simply saying this. It's simply saying that the sign. What are the sign and seals? What are the sign and seals? Holy Communion, uh, baptism, or water baptism, and mm, Holy Communion, right? These are the signs, correct? These are the signs and seals. So, it's simply saying that every the sign and seal, there is a relationship and a union between the sign and what is signified. Signified. Okay, what is signified. And the effects, the effects. So this is the um, relation. Okay, and then there is the effects. There are the effects. There are the effects. Things signified. Always remember, in the sacraments, the sign and seals, they are signifying something. By itself, by itself, a loaf of bread cut up, does it signify anything? Nothing, right? But for the sacrament, it is signifying something. You take a shower every day. You stand under the shower. You take a shower every day. Are you being baptized every day? Hmm? No, the specific sign, the specific act is signifying something. The specific act here is signifying something. The act and the item signify something. And there are effects. 
their effects. Okay? So, all he's saying is, can you see water baptism? Can you see water baptism? Can, right? Can you see holy, partaking of Holy Communion? Can. So what are these called? Outward signs. Okay? Water baptism signify what? We'll study that next week. I belong to Christ. Just now we roughly said, I belong to Christ. Hmm? I belong to Christ, I live for Him, newness of life and all that. What does Holy Communion signify? Hmm? Christ's broken body, Christ's work. Christ's work, His broken body. What else? Assurance of salvation and so on. So you, you can put kind of like the three purposes. The three purposes that we had, right? It's all signifying something, reminding us of something. Can you... These are outward. These are inward. Correct? These are inward. Correct? Hmm? So, what they're simply saying is what we have been saying. What are sacraments? Sacraments are outward. Okay, you, now. Vincent, now you get, get a chance to say. Is it outward? Sign of? Inward? Huh? Inward what? In, <laughs> inward what? Inward? Okay, someone help her. Hey, someone help him. Valerie. Our sign of inward. Oh, that one that week we we don't know repeat how many times you know. Alex, is the outward sign of inward? Yeah, your wife's name. So you should know. Inward grace. All he's saying, these are outward signs. Please remember, these are outward signs, and they are outward signs of what happened inside you. What happens inside you? Okay, what happens inside you? So, outward sign of inward grace. So, that's all he's saying. So, there, there are links. There are links and there are... Remember, these are spiritual. Spiritual relationship. We must not take it as physical like the, like the Roman Catholics. The, body turned in, the cup turned into real blood. The body turned into real flesh. No, these are all spiritual significance okay spiritual significance okay can anyone remember every time at wedding what do i say at the ex exchange of rings oh the latest one can you remember i say either you or ben must remember because ben the last few ones you have to keep bringing up rings so at that point, I say, ah, when, when I say those, that's your signal to bring the ring up. What do I say? Right? These rings are an outward and visible sign. So the rings are outward and visible signs. I always say that. These rings are outward and visible sign of your inward and spiritual bond between your hearts. Right? Correct? So sacraments... In covenant means that you, you get baptized, this is your, your outward sign of something that has happened inside you, okay? Something that happened inside you. 
outward sign of inward. And then I would always say, and these signs, they bond your hearts in love and loyalty. Correct? Bond your hearts in love and loyalty to one another. And you remember what, what these rings are to you all? <laughs> I, say, I, I say it for meaning. I even, do I give it to you? Outward sign, these are outward signs. And they bond, they bond your heart together in love and loyalty. Correct? And then when it comes to, so those are the signs. When it comes to the seal, when it comes to the, it, when it comes to the seal, what do I say? Do you remember? And they seal the, they are the seal of the? Well, now your wife's getting worried. No, ask wives also, wives. Let me give them, these are the seals of the? Seals of the? Very good. Seals of the vows that you make one to another. Seal of the vows that you make one to another. The seal is telling each other, I genuinely mean what I say. Seal of what? Authenticity, correct? Genuineness, authenticity. So, covenant seals in marriage is a very common thing. And we have to understand is the similar, if not the same kind of concept in the covenant of grace. Baptism and Holy Communion are outward signs of our inward and spiritual link to Christ. And it is our love and devotion to Him. And it is a proof of our genuineness towards our Saviour. Okay? So these seals, these vows, this seal are the vows that we make one to another from our heart. Okay? So, you, which we... Do you like to attend weddings? Do you like to attend weddings? Those helpers know. <laughs> very stressful. Me also very stressful. But I do actually love... Um, weddings very much besides the stress that I have to go through that I don't make any mistakes and mess up people's marriage marriage, marriage day um, but it's very very wonderful because it's the highest thing that two persons enter into enters into the highest vows they make towards one another right why because they are now going through the signs and the seals understand that same for Holy Communion we are, we are more privileged we can do that every month not every month I have to conduct a wedding <laughs> I enjoy that, but I get to conduct the Holy Communion every month. We get to partake the Holy Communion every month. We should come with all this understanding, looking forward, knowing all these are the outward signs of the inward grace in me. What God has worked in me and my love towards my Saviour. It's a very wonderful time. That's why it's called a Holy Communion. It's a time of refreshing, renewing communion. Okay? You know, some people, like, they get married, then, I don't know, like, 10 years, 20, 30 years, again, they have this, is it, re, not remarriage, what do they have? Uh? Say again, I renew the vows. They renew the vows again. Mm? They go through renewing of vows again. Is that good or bad? I don't know. But I guess they treasure it so much. We get to renew our vows every month in these sacraments, every month. So the sacraments involve all these things. Okay, so I hope that you think more about it. And we get to do it every month. Someone's parent came from Singapore. Um, 
And then we were having Holy Communion that week. And then the mom said, Oh, Reverend Jesus, so wonderful. We just had Holy Communion uh, in church last week. And then this week, you happen to have Holy Communion and we are here. And we can have Holy Communion again. And the eyes was just sparkling and so happy. You know, I say, this month we get to have Holy Communion twice. We should be like that. It is a very wonderful time, renewing of vows, remembering the purposes, telling the Lord of the inward grace He worked in us, and the inward love we have to Him. It's very wonderful, alright? So, don't approach Holy Communion ayah, first week of the month. It means longer service. Don't do that. Hmm? I hope none of you go through your marriage and I have to take vows again. No, you look forward to it, right? So this is with your saviour, far more wonderful than your spouse. That is what Holy Communion, the sacraments are about. So I do not understand. When people do not understand all this, they don't want to get baptised. They find Holy Communion a chore. It should not be. Okay, so I hope the study of sacraments stir our hearts outward. So number two is simply, simply means this. Outward signs of inward grace. That is what it means. Now, next one. Um, let me see any verses I wanted you to read. Um, no. Now, number three. Number three. The grace, let's read together. The grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments rightly used. Is it not conferred by the power in them? Neither doth the efficacy of a sacrament depend upon the piety or intention of him that doth minister it, but upon the work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the institution, which contains, together with a precept authorizing the use thereof, a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. What is this saying? It says, the grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments. Now, let us answer some questions. Uh, this is very important. Let us answer question. Oh, by the way, question number three, I kind of answered for you, right? Why are sacraments important? It, it reminds us of the purposes. If you want to write down, it reminds us of the, the purposes and therefore constrain us to be thankful and to love our Saviour. So sacraments important. Why does God put it in? Why do you wear the wedding ring? Because it reminds you and it constrains you to love, right? It is simply because of the... Is it simply because of Reformed faith view of the covenant? Is sacrament important? What I'm trying to ask you is this. Listen carefully, yeah? We are of the Reformed faith, correct? Reformed faith means covenantal faith, correct? In all covenants, there are sacraments, correct? They are all signs and seals, correct? Yeah. I want you to follow this, huh? it's very important. Reformed faith means covenant, right? In covenant, there are signs and Seals, correct? In other words, sacraments. Okay? So my question to you today is this. Studying sacraments, sacraments we say are important, is it simply 
we spend so much time studying sacraments, is it simply because of the Reformed faith? No. Yong, then what is it because of? The covenant should be on the covenant okay so or is it simply because uh, okay yeah good point um, um, what I simply mean is we, we, we are reformed faith because we believe in the covenant okay but what I'm trying to ask is this do we study sacraments as uh, sacraments are important simply because of the reformed faith no uh, because of covenant right because of covenant because of covenant, that's why it is important. Now, or I ask it the other way. Are rings, wedding rings, are wedding rings important because of marriage or because it represents the covenant? Of course, the second one, correct? Wedding rings are precious and important because, not because, simply because of marriage but because of the covenant of marriage, correct? The study of sacraments is not simply because we are reformed faith people, we better be able to explain the covenant, uh, able to explain sacraments. Sac when God put in sacraments, He's not saying, ah, I better put in sacraments because one day there will be reformed faith. And then reformed faith people better know what are sacraments. It's not that, huh? When God put in sacraments, He is reminding us of all the purpose of the covenant. It's all about that. So we treasure the sacraments not because we are the Reformed faith. We treasure the sacraments because of what the sacrament purposes are. Why did God put it in? What it achieves? What it reminds us? I want us to remember that. Because... Sometimes people get very proud. You know, we are reformers. We are of the reformed faith. We have sacraments. And then I can explain to you what sacrament is. What sacrament? Ask Vincent. He will tell you that it is the outward sign of the inward grace. <laughs> he can tell you all these things. Because we are reformed faith, you know. Not like, don't have that thinking. We treasure and we study and we want to know the sacraments more and more because it is about the covenant that we are in with God. Because He reminds us of Christ, His benefits, because He reminds us of separation from the world, it reminds us of newness of life in Christ and love and devotion to Him. That's why we, we love to talk about the sacraments. I say again, why do you love to talk about the sacraments? Because we are Reformed faith. No. We love to talk about the sacraments because of the three purposes that God instituted it for us. Okay? Nine o'clock. Do you understand or not? This kind of an aha moment, you know? Because many people in, in Presbyterian faith, they love to talk about all this, but it does nothing to, uh, to their lives. Why? Because they all thought it's just about the theology of Calvin, the theology of reformers. No, it is about the purpose which God put in place for us. It's like someone who loves to talk about the wedding ring. See my wedding ring? 20 carat, you know. Is it big? I don't know. How is it, what is big? I don't know. How many carat? You see my, my wedding ring? How thick gold, you know? How many ounces or how many kilograms? Then people look at, why are you talking about the ring? 
What was the ring supposed to signify? What were they supposed to signify? Okay, so no use talking about marriage, faithfulness and all that when it is not about what the purpose of marriage is. Okay, understand? That's what I want us to remember. What's the first one? What's the first purpose? Grace. Finish. Uh. Yes, your husband. Why you get married to me? Let me think. <laughs> Say again. Right, very good. Represent Christ and his benefits. Right? Broken body, shed blood. Remind us of Christ and the promises that we have in him. Second, Alex. Separation from the rest unto Christ. Always remember separation unto Christ, huh? Separation, devotion, separated unto you alone. I love you alone. Separate from all sin and all false teachings. Number three, Keziah. Serve him. Serve him. Say again. Right? So love, serve, worship. Right? So when we love, we serve. So thanks for, thanks for bringing up. So all this. We cannot say we want to be, we take Holy Communion, we get baptized, and we look at your notes. Look at your notes. And we don't, we are not solemnly engaged to the service of God in Christ. If we are not solemnly engaged in serving Him, then we do not understand what the sacraments are. We take Holy Communion, we get baptized, but yet this missing this part is missing from everything. Okay? So the Christian cannot say, I'm not interested in serving him who I say I love. Alright, so very good. Um, hmm. I answered question number four. But I do want to do a bit of the rest. Can we do question, the next one, right? Question number five. So number four is, is how they are linked by representation, okay? Oh, so yeah, ask this interesting question. So I come back to this picture. Uh, these boards are very useful. Okay, come back here. Now how to keep this? Hello, I don't want you. Alright, so, so this is the question number four. Describe what these outward sacraments represent and how they are linked. So I, I already give you the representation, right? Give you the representation, how they are linked. It's a spiritual link, a spiritual link, okay? So I describe that to you, question number four. Now, so now I ask you the next part. How should we treat leftover bread and juice after the Holy Communion? So we have Holy Communion, right? can see that part. Huh? So we have the bread and the juice. The bread and the juice. So these are outward signs and seals. What should we do after Holy Communion? We have 20 pieces of the wafer left. We have 15 cups left. What should we do with them? Mabel, what do you think? These are signs and seals, you know. You throw away your wedding ring one day. Oh, okay. Marriage over, you can throw away the wedding ring. So should we throw them away? 
Not sure. Do, you don't know what we do with it. We didn't go to the kitchen behind and peep. What do we do with it? We there. These are signs and seals, you know. Okay to throw them away. Wow. What do you think we should do with it? I don't know. Sarah, what do you think we should do with it? Give it to Isaac to eat and drink. I said, Mommy, I'm very hungry. Okay. Go eat the leftover bread and uh, drink the cup. I think I've seen that it's been finished off by someone. Be finished off by someone. <laughs> so, Sarah, Sarah. Sarah, do notice. What happened to it? So she noticed someone finishes it up so it's not wasted. Okay. <laughs> Alicia is now very interested. Oh, can I drink it? Can I eat it? So is it wrong to, to have the leftover? You know who's the drinker? <laughs> the drinker is Edward behind. Right? Edward is our drinker. <laughs> Edward is our drinker. You eat the bread as well? Oh yes, so you are the one. Alright, so Edward is the drinker and the and the eater of the remainder. Now, is it okay? Is it okay? So Edward is so strong, you see. You only take one piece. So Holy Commandment something is take like 20 pieces. If you drink one cup, you can drink like what? 10 cups, you know? Extra strong. Will he become extra strong? No. So, is it wrong? Now remember the reason why I drew this is these are signs and seals, but it is the representation, the spiritual representation, that is what is important. Understand that. Okay, the rep spiritual representation. That's why we are not the Roman Catholics. We say the bread turns into the body and flesh of Christ, the cup turns into the blood of Christ. That's why they walk in and hold up the wafer. Oh, we all worship. This is not spiritual. To them, it's real. So they all worship the wafer when they come in. So they come in with the wafer held up, so all will stand there and worship. Right? For them, they cannot even drink the cup. Hmm? So the leftover is stored somewhere. Actually, I don't know how long this story. I always wonder. So they say, cannot throw away. It's, it's the blood of Christ. It's the spiritual representation. Spiritual representation. Okay? So that's why we don't. But the question is this. Why not give it to Isaac and Elisha? Because Edward is very greedy. <laughs> he wanted, hey, I eat for you. Why not give it to Ed, uh, give it to Elisha and 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 uh, Isaac? Why? Why, Sujin? Because they uh... their parents don't like it. <laughs> don't drink so much sweet things. You'll be hyper. Why? They have not professed their faith. What do you think? Hannah, what do you think? They have not professed their faith, so we don't give it to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, number one, we know that it is not holy in the sense of when we finish, we bring it to the kitchen. Alright? In itself, it's not a holy thing that turned into a holy thing because pastor stood over it and said some words. You know, this bread is my body which is broken for you. Ding! 
suddenly all becomes special. No, alright? It's not that. So it's not holy in that sense when we bring it to the kitchen. Um, and you said that one. Then the second one is so that they don't misunderstand. They don't misunderstand. Meaning we don't want them to look at this, although it's not holy, we don't want them to look at these elements lightly. Eventually when they grow up, right? So it's also to make sure that they don't have this wrong idea. Oh, these are, these are just fun things. While it's not holy, when we bring it to the kitchen, but we do not want the children to grow up with that wrong perception, which they can. Okay, so, so by and large, we also don't, don't want that. Not so much because um, of anything else. Okay, so that's why we do that. Right, so we usually bring it to the back, have someone assigned. That's why we also don't want to keep changing people. Just in case people think that, wow, I think I've become a bit more special because I get to drink and eat more. Right? So, Edward, I'm sure you know that it's not the case. <laughs> right? So, so we rather not, not have all this misunderstanding because if people have not gone through this, they will also be very confused, right? They will be very confused. So, so I just want to bring it up so that we understand some of these um, effects. It's a spiritual representation. But when we are partaking of it, please treat it with carefulness, not because it's special, but know what it represents. That is what I mean. Know what it represents. Okay? <clears throat> Maybe we do this as a last question, then we have some time of fellowship. Question number five. Now, show question number five. Wait, so this is representation, right? Representation. So on the one hand, we say it is not holy in that sense. Now, so I ask this question, does my refraining, does my refraining from water baptism and Holy Communion, which are the sacraments, mean that I am exempt from the purposes of the sacraments? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm asking you this. Is newness of life under separation? Newness of life? Anyway, alright, so service. Please remember service. As pointed out by the um, right, yeah, newness of life, yes. Belong to Christ, not partake of the devil's table anymore, only of the Lord's table, serve, serving him. So these are the purposes, right, of the purposes of, of sacraments, right? Now, so I ask you, if a Christian say, A, so what are the sacraments? Can we review? The sacraments are water, baptism, correct? Water, baptism to holy communion. Now, some Christians have this idea. So, if I don't partake, if I don't go get baptized, then I won't take Holy Communion, right? And if the purposes of sacraments, if the purpose of sacraments are this, then if I don't get water baptized, I don't get partake of Holy Communion as a result, therefore, I have not the 
sacraments in my life, and therefore, then these purposes do not apply to me. Understand that? Why, why, why you smile, Yong? Very funny argument. Very funny argument. A lot of people do that. Actually, many people, when you talk to them, why don't you get baptized? You've been a Christian for a long time. Typically, the answer is, you know, uh, the, the, the Christian life, uh, all this, uh, I'm not ready for it. Uh. I'm not ready for it. So I think I better not get baptized. Because after I take Holy Communion, then all these things are even, you know, that I must truly live a, a, a holy life. I must um, really love my Savior. So, you know, live a holy life, love my Savior and all this. So to them, is, I'm not ready for it. So I think I better not. So to them, they think that if they don't partake of the sacraments, and therefore, these things, these purposes are not imposed on them. You never heard of Christians who have this idea. Or you can imagine why they would think like that, right? Something like that. That's why years and years and years they don't want to get back. They say, I'm not ready to be committed. I'm not ready to be committed to this life. And therefore, I better don't get baptized. So does exempting or refraining from the sacraments mean you're, means you're exempted from the purposes of which, for which God implemented the sacraments. What do you think? Sing Yun. Sing Yun. What do you think? Would the person be exempted? God said, alright, listen carefully. God says that I institute sacraments hmm? and we have read, right, from the Bible, whenever God brings up sacraments, he brings up these purposes, correct? So God institutes sacraments for these purposes, correct? So, Sing Jun, do we, the, is it right for a Christian to think if God instituted sacraments for these purposes, then therefore if I don't partake of the sacraments, then these purposes which God instituted for sacraments is not imposed on me? No, you don't believe that. Why? perfect answer. Because sacraments, sacraments are just an outward sign, outward sign of inward grace. Okay? And this inward grace ought to therefore bring about those three purposes in your life. Whether you had the chance to, or you don't have the chance to, or you choose not to, doesn't change the fact that God saved you, He did, you belong to Him, He did that work of salvation for you, and you should serve Him. It doesn't change that fact. Why I bring this up? So do you understand? Sacraments are outward sign of inward grace. A Christian who say, I don't want to perform, partake of this outward sign, therefore, these expectations, these changes of inward grace should not be imposed on me. I, I, it is okay if I don't live that life. No, the inward grace are all the works that God has done to you. All the sacraments are an outward obedience of the Christian to 
obey the commandments of water baptism. That's why in the beginning I read, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to them, and baptize them. God commands the church to baptize. It means that by inference, God expects that His believers get baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, Peter said, right? So, the Christian obey the outward sign as an obedience to commandment. Whether you think you are, whether you think that God saved you to live these purposes or not, you are expected to live that way for the Lord. Okay, so I hope that if you have Christian friends, you say, "Oh, I'm not ready. I, I don't want to live. I'm not ready for. Uh, I'm not ready for a committed walk." Then you explain to the person the meaning of of sacraments, and you explain to the person that there is no reason why you should hold back. You know, all these are wonderful purposes for the Savior that saved and died for you. Yes. Yes, so that's the next question I ask. Someone who says that I do not want because I'm not ready to live that committed life, I'm not ready for all this and I don't want to live all this now, is a person, should we tell the person then you better check your salvation? What do you think? Mabel? Should we? You ask someone in church, hey, why you don't get baptized, you know? They say, mm, I not so holy. Not ready to be so holy. Would you say to the person, you better check your salvation? <laughs> yes. So Mabel say yes, I would say you better check your salvation. <laughs> but at the same time, she also thinks that sometimes a safe person may not necessarily obey baptism. Yeah, it's one thing that is very difficult to say. Hmm? Um, people who constantly don't want to, of course, the salvation sometimes is a big question mark. I agree with you. It's a question mark. And sometimes you have to find ways to, to find out and then to explain. It could be the person think that if I don't, then actually the person is... some. Actually, there's one case I talked to the person... By all your life, outwardly at least, you're obedient, you come to church, you study, you're serving. You know, some people don't, like what you mentioned, some people don't because they think that you must be very holy, then you can go get baptized. Okay? Those, they could be saved. Understand? It's just they don't understand. They're actually living holy lives. But they say, I'm not holy enough, not good, I, I should not. Hmm? They might be saved. But they have the wrong understanding of the sacrament. God says, obey. You are saved by grace. After saved by grace, you obey the commandment. Hmm? So some people have the misunderstanding. But yes, some people, they don't want, it could be because they're not saved. They just want to enjoy the world, enjoy sin and all that. Later, then I come and trust in the Lord. Is their, their understanding. Okay? So hard to say. That's my point. Alright, you want to answer your question? Sometimes hard to say. Yep. So for those people, we try to help them to understand, preach the gospel to them. Okay? Yes? Just, if, if that person refrained from taking from, from going through the water, is it in a way that you're telling yourself because they're not baptized in that? Yes, so what I'm saying is, does refraining from water baptism mean someone 
Okay, first step is first step is water First step is water baptism first, right? After you can take what after water baptism, then you can partake of the Holy Communion, correct? So your question is? So you say that refrain from going through the baptism. Yeah, so some they refrain from water baptism means automatically they don't have to partake of the other sacrament, right? So they think safe. I can live as I want to. Hmm? Now, there are also those that went through water baptism and then they say, oh, if I don't take the Holy Communion, I've sinned. So this week I don't take Holy Communion. And therefore it's okay to continue sinning. It doesn't work that way. Alright? Okay, so that's what I meant. Answer your question? Alright, so I think that's all the time we have to. I, I like to cover some other things, but I think we won't have time to. Um, but I think this is a logical point to stop. Any other questions before we close? No? I just want to summarize this. Sacraments are something to look forward to with much joy every month. Because of the three purposes. Keep thinking about these three purposes when you go back and ask yourself, is it true in my life? Do I look forward to it? Let's pray.